are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. We've got a good Wednesday show for you. We're going to talk about the uncertainty in the NFL versus college football. I've got my first gambling statistics for you as we head into the NFL season. Eric Bieniemy is making waves as the new offensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders. And Chip Kelly might have the best take on all the conference realignment. And he's probably dead on about how this thing is ultimately going to end up. We'll get to all that momentarily. So let's talk about what's upcoming in the NFL this season versus, you know, college football. College football is a great sport. We love college football Saturdays. That first Saturday where I get to sit down and turn on college game day at 8 in the morning, it's the best feeling every single August and September. It's just you got to love college football. It's College football is it's still football, but it's literally so different than the NFL. Fan bases are way more passionate in college football. Obviously, you you know, traditions, marching bands, fight songs, all that stuff. It's just a, it's just different. And look, NFL might be for you and you might not be interested in college football and some people love college football and don't care that much about the NFL. But one thing we can say about college football for the most part, last year was kind of a little bit wonky, but for the most part, we pretty much know who's going to be there at the end of the season. We don't know what the matchup is going to be. You know, sitting here in the first week of August, I can't tell you who the Final Four are going to be in college football, but if I threw out four teams, I'm probably going to be pretty close. You know, it's probably going to be some combination of Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, um, Georgia, and, uh, you know, LSU maybe, throw them in the mix, Clemson. You know, it's like four of those six teams are probably going to be there. And if you say if you said the same six teams every year, I would think minimum every single year you'll get at least two to three right. Because the fat get fatter in college football. The teams that have the most tradition and the most money, for the most part, are the ones that are going to be there in the end. Last year, we had an outside factor in TCU. TCU had a great season, beat Michigan in the semis, and got blasted by Georgia in the in the championship game. So that happens every once in a while. But if you look back, since they started the four-team playoff, it's pretty much been a combination of Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia appearing in that in, in the Final Four. Those teams are making it pretty much almost every year. The NFL, totally different animal. The NFL, I don't know the exact statistic, but I can tell you over the last 10 to 15 years, you take every team that made the NFL playoffs. Now they have 14 teams that make it. As we know, the number one seed in each conference gets a bye, and then two plays seven, three plays six, and four plays five. So 14 teams make it. Over the last 10 to 15 years, every single year, there's right around a 50% turnover from the previous year of teams that make the playoffs versus teams that don't. So the 14 teams that made the NFL playoffs last year, you can pretty much already take five to seven of them and say, and with pretty good certainty, that they're not going to make the playoffs this year. The problem is, or the question is, 
we don't know who those five or seven teams that made it last year who aren't going to make it this year. And they have to be replaced by teams that didn't make it last year who are going to make it this year. Of course, the names that are on everybody's radar are the Lions, the Steelers, the Chargers. Those teams all just barely missed out on the playoffs last year. So naturally, they're going to be on everybody's list to get in. The Jets, you know, Hard Knocks started last night. I don't know if we'll get around to that. Maybe I'll talk about that tomorrow. But those teams will be on everybody's short list to be the ones that make it into the playoffs this year, but you have to take other teams out that made it last year. And who is that Who is that going to be? We don't know yet. But that's what I mean when we talk about NFL versus college football. NFL has way more turnover. It's way more unpredictable. I mean, the fact that, I mean, it's unbelievable to think this. The NFC East, it has four teams in it. The Philadelphia Eagles, the Dallas Cowboys, the New York Giants, and the Washington Commanders. Four teams. That's not a lot of teams. There has not been an NFC East repeat winner in 18 years. <laughs> that is so crazy to me. It's the stat that everybody points to at the beginning of every season Yet, we just saw the Philadelphia Eagles dominate the regular season last year, dominate the playoffs, have a double-digit lead at halftime of the Super Bowl, and then lose by three to Kansas City. So naturally, going into this year, what are people saying? Well, Mike, the Eagles got to win the NFC East. They're the best team in the NFC East. Well, 18 years in a row, you probably could have said that going into the season and said, wow, the team that won it last year, they either you know got better or they're the same. They're a solid team. And for 18 consecutive years, nobody has repeated as the winner of the NFC East. So if you're into betting, into that kind of thing, like to bet conference champions, like to bet division winners, it's not a smart bet to bet the Eagles. Why would you go against tradition? Why would you go against history? History tells you you'd be 0 for 18 if you bet the same team to win it two years in a row for the last 18 years. So is it going to be the Cowboys? I'm sure that's where most people are going to go, knowing this stat. Could it be the Giants? Could it be the Commanders who are on nobody's radar? I don't know. But just that unpredictability. The Eagles won it from 2001 to 2004. They won it four years in a row, and then yet nobody has won it back-to-back years since. It's a fascinating statistic, especially in a division that has four teams. Really? You can't repeat in the last 18 years? That's nuts. I just mentioned gambling when it comes to the NFC East, and maybe you want to get in on that and not take the Eagles. It's just not a – I mean, if you're looking to make money, it's just not a smart bet. You know, it's just you got to go with numbers. It's a large sample size of 18 years. But speaking of numbers, you know me. I love numbers. I enjoy gambling on football. So I've got some numbers for you. And this is something that happens every year, is how do double-digit favorites do in the NFL? For the longest time, there was this, like, misconception that double-digit favorites didn't cover. They did. From 2010, excuse me, 2012 until 2021. Well, last season in the NFL was the first season since 2010 
where the double-digit favorites finished under 50% against the spread. 36% last year against the spread were double-digit favorites. Nine, 11 and 19. But in the years before that, from 2021 backwards, here is a winning percentage against the spread, because that's what matters when gambling. I'm not talking about money line. Here's the percentages that double-digit favorites did against the spread from 2021 back to 2012. 59%, 57%, 56%, 64%, 58%, 70%, 57%, 56 50 57%, 56%, 57%, 57%, 57%, 57%, 57%, 57%, 57%, 57%, 57%, 57%, 57%, 57%, 57%, 57%, 57%, 57%, 57%, 57%, 57%, 57%, 57%, 57%, 57%, 
It's just it's it's a very you know they play eight eight or nine games in Denver. There'll be eight or nine games in Denver this year, so you have to look at those eight or nine games the week after. And let's see, I don't know if I'll remember to <laughs> to keep track of this stat, but it was interesting. I just don't know if there's any rhyme or reason to it. You know, it's tough to say. You just just looking at it from the outside. No, it's very easy to look at the other stat that I gave you and be like, oh, double digit favorites. Okay. Just look at the game slate on Sunday and Monday and Thursday and be like, is anybody a double-digit favorite? Okay. Well, up until last year, double-digit favorites were basically hitting at a 56% clip for a nine-year run to bet on the double-digit favorite to cover. Except last year, they shit the bed and went 11-19. and And a lot of those, I mean, I, I don't know the exact number, but a lot of those losses, those 19 losses, a lot of them were outright. So keep that in mind. Basically, going into this year, does it stay the same? Does it even out closer to 50-50? Or does it go back to what it was from 2021 to 2012, where 56% of double favorites were hitting? Again, the unpredictability. We just don't know. If we knew these things, we'd all be millionaires. We just don't know. Interesting story coming out of Washington yesterday. Apparently, some of the Washington Commandos players getting their feelings hurt because new offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy is yelling at them. <clears throat> Seriously, that's the story. Washington Commanders head coach Ron Rivera said some of his players expressed concern over new offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy's intensity during practice. And Bienemy's saying, I'm not going to change my approach. This is what I do. I'm always going to be loud. I'm always going to be vocal, always going to demand from my leaders. If I ain't doing my job, my ass gets fired. It's my job and my responsibility to make sure I'm getting our guys to do what I'm expecting them to do. Let me tell you something, Commander players, Commander fans. Your team has been a nothing for the last 23 years. Remember how many years Daniel Snyder owned it? We already went over that statistic. What, what? four playoff appearances in 23 years, something ridiculous like that. You've been in nothing. Your offense stinks. You just went out and hired the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, who have made three of the last five Super Bowls and have the most fun offense to watch in all of football. And now you're bitching that he's too loud at practice? I would basically do whatever this guy tells me to do, not bitch about it, and maybe, just maybe, you might be a good football team. I never really understood, and I still don't understand why Eric Bieniemy went took this job. Why would you leave the Chiefs unless he was just, hey, I want to be the Chiefs' head man, but Andy Reid isn't retiring anytime soon, so I'm just going to be stuck in this offense coordinator position. Nobody's hired me as a head coach. It, it's just weird. I, I, I guess I just, if I were him, I just would have stayed, but that's not my life his life I would have just stayed at Kansas City and been in that offensive coordinator position with those players and that system until I got a head coaching gig I don't know why he took a demotion going to the Washington Commanders unless he feels hey I'm not getting the credit I deserve when I go interview because they probably think oh you got Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey on your team and for the longest time you had Tyreek Hill 
anybody could score 25, 28, 35 points a game with those guys. Let's see what you can do with a shitty offense like the Commanders, who were terrible on offense last year, one of the worst teams in the National Football League for points per game scored. So maybe that was his thing. Like, I want to show these people that it's not just the players, it's me. When I go somewhere and install my offense, no matter who our personnel is, we win and we score points. So that I get maybe that's it. Maybe that's why he did. Other than that, I can't think of one reason why he would leave Kansas City for Washington. The Washington Commanders have not ranked above 20th in points scored or yards per game since 2017. That's six years of being in the bottom third in the league offensively. They've just never been a good offensive team, period. That, that stat bears it out. I just can't believe a team that's just been inept offensively for six years, there's actually rumblings about this that the coach is being too loud and being too hard on them. Good God. That's just stupid. I, I, I just, I do not get, <laughs> I don't get this approach at all by the commanders. Maybe that's why you're a laughing stock. Now watch them go out and win the NFC East. Uh, I mean, put it this way. If they win the NFC East, Eric Bannemi is getting a head coaching job next year because it's going to be all him because they're not going to win the NFC East unless they start scoring some points. They've cut the Cowboys and the Eagles in their division. The Giants aren't half bad offensively either. Like the only way they can win the NFC East is if they start putting up 24 to 27 points a game. And finally, I want to end with this. Chip Kelly, head coach of the UCLA Bruins in college football, had probably the best take I've heard in regards to conference realignment. He said this, Notre Dame is an independent in football, but they're in a conference for everything else. Why aren't we all independent for football? Take the 64 teams in Power 5 and make that one division. Take the 64 teams in Group of 5, make that another division. We play for a championship, they play for a championship, and no one else gets affected. Our sport is different than everybody else. We only play once a week. Travel's not a big deal for football, but it is a big deal for other sports. Kind of what I've been saying for the last two weeks, and I couldn't agree more. This whole conference realignment isn't really going to affect football all that much. It's going to affect the other sports, the rugby team, the lacrosse team, the water polo team, the golf team. It just it just is because those teams don't play once a week and they don't only play on Saturdays. So he's just saying, and look, I they've been saying this for years. The media has been saying this for years. College football writers and pundits have been saying this for years that eventually the teams that were in the Power Five conferences, which included the Pac-12 up until they went down to four teams, were going to form their own division. And they were going to have their own, they're going to play each other and they're going to have their own playoff. And the group of five is going to have their own playoff, and they'd be like, I don't know what they're going to call it, you know, because there's FBS and FCS. Well, now FBS basically splitting into two different divisions. The Power Five getting their own division, the group of five getting their own division. I don't know what they're going to call it. But college football prognosticators and pundits seem to think this is the direction we're headed at some point anyway. So I don't think Chip is breaking ground there, but he's talking about the conferences in and of itself. And, hey, this conference realignment is crazy, but not for us, not for football. We travel once a week. We're used to this. 
So yeah, we may, maybe instead of traveling from UCLA to Colorado, now we got to travel to you know Teterboro and go to and go to Rutgers or College Park, Maryland. I get it, longer flight, probably have to leave a little bit earlier, but still, you only play once a week. Get on the plane, you play on Saturday, you get on the plane Sunday, you head back, and going back to the West Coast, you gain three hours. So it's not as bad going back. I just think that this is probably the smartest take we've heard regarding it, and. It does make a lot of sense. Why isn't every football team in college football independent? Just because that's the way it's been? Here's your conference. Here's your SEC. Here's your ACC. Here's your Big 12. Here's your Big 10. Why isn't everybody just independent? What's the point of conferences other than tradition? We seem to be throwing tradition out the window by basically going into the Pac-12 and dissolving them in a matter of hours last Friday. So tradition really only matters to a certain amount of people. If you put those 64 teams that are in Power 5 conferences all together in one and played a national championship with just those 64 teams, I don't think people would have an issue with it. Yes, if you're in the, I don't know, other schools that are in the group of five, you know, the Mountain West, the MAC. Yes, they'll be upset that they aren't getting part of that pie and they can't compete for the national championship on that level, but they'd have their own. And let's face it, until this 12-team playoff starts next year, every time there's been a national championship game or even the four-team playoff that started in 2014, has a Mac school ever made it? No. Has a Mountain West school ever made it? I don't believe so. Has a WAC school ever made it? No. So it's not like they really need to be a part of it. They will be a part of it when the 12-team playoff starts because the six highest-ranked conference champions get automatic bids, and then there's six at-large teams. With no more Pac-12, the Mountain West conference champion is going to be in the 12-team playoff. The WAC conference, the AAC conference champion is probably going to be in the college football playoff. MAC, I'm not sure. Depends how high they're ranked and what their record is and what kind of year they have. But it's it looks like this is where we're headed. Chip Kelly is a visionary, and uh, he, he kind of knows what's kind of happening here, and I, I think. But with these new television contracts for the SEC and the Big 12, I think they're like for 10 or 12 years. So I don't know if those have to end, and this isn't going to be even talked about until 2034 and 2035. I don't know if they can get out of the current – TV contracts if there's an out clause or not where they can just say hey we're going to blow this all up the 64 teams that were part of the big uh, the power five conferences we're going to start our own thing I, I just don't know if that can happen with television contracts the way they are right now but it will be interesting anyway thank you all for listening uh, please follow me on Apple Podcasts also rate and review pass it along to your friends especially your friends that gamble, because we're going to have a lot of gambling notes coming up in the next few weeks. Thank you again all for listening. I really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. Thank you.